Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. I want to uh, preach to you for a few minutes tonight. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Hebrews, and let's say a prayer together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. It's living and powerful, and it changes our hearts. God, we thank you for your anointing. God, we thank you for the power of God. We open our hearts to you that we could leave this service tonight changed and closer to you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Sometimes in church, we forget about Jesus. Sometimes I feel like we get so busy doing the work of the ministry, we forget about Jesus. Sometimes we, we make it so much about doctrine and theology and so much, and we forget the king. And one of the things God has been doing at Celebration Church here in the last year is getting us to remember and exalt and glorify and seek and worship the king of all kings. And I don't know about you, but I just, the last year, I've just been, I said, I just want to know him more. I want to see him. I want to, I want to have an encounter. I want to walk with him. I, I, it's about Jesus. He's the one that we follow. He's the head of the church. This whole thing is about Jesus. It's not about a building. It's not about a staff or, or any type of organization. It's all about Jesus. I'm telling you guys, we need to strip a lot of things away, and we need to remember the one that we worship. We need to remember the reason you got in your car and drove up here tonight. It wasn't to learn some principles. It wasn't to learn a formula. It wasn't anything. It was about Jesus. We came to hear from him. We came to seek him. We came to worship him. We came to open his word. We want to grow closer to Jesus. Can I have an amen? And I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the subject here and not yet. Here and not yet. Sometimes when we think about Jesus, we think of the stories in the gospel. The stories in the gospels, the stories in the Bible. And sometimes I feel like we just want to worship a, an historical figure, an historical Jesus. Listen, we don't worship a historical Jesus. We worship a living Christ. Amen? And so what is Jesus doing now? He's alive. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. We, we met with a, an author and a, a teacher a few weeks ago, a guy by the name of Frank Viola, you may have heard of him. And one of his teachings is teaching about what Jesus is doing now. And it just got me thinking about what is Jesus doing now? Jesus now. You know, the scripture says that he, he is the one who is, who was, who was, who is, and who is to come. Revelation. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The one who was, who is, and is to come. Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a living God. What is he doing right now? Have you thought about that? When you're in worship, are you, in your mind, are you trying to worship a Jesus just from the stories in the Gospels? An historical figure that you're trying to understand through the, through the scriptures, or is it, or have you saw, are you trying to behold his glory in your spirit and worship him? 
and have an, under, an understanding of who he is because you know him, you're following him. It's not just a doctrine, it's not just a religion, it's not just a story, it's not just history. It's, it's a risen king. And the scripture says he ascended, he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. He's our great high priest. That's what I want to talk to you about. Then he poured his spirit out, and the church began in the book of Acts, and God began to fill humans with his spirit with the indwelling Christ. And so Christ indwells his people through the power of the, ind- uh, through the, power of the Holy Spirit. And so Christ is in heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. When we're in worship, can you, when you're in worship, can you worship a king of kings who he's in his high priestly garment? He's there before the throne. He, the scripture says he's, he's sitting at the right hand of the, of the, of the Father. It represents authority. It represents it is complete. It is finished. He's sitting down. Of course, when Stephen was stoned, when Stephen looked into heaven, he saw Jesus standing. And then in Revelation, it says he walks through the, gold, the, can, the, the golden candlesticks, the lampstands. He's walking through the midst of the church. And certainly there's elements to all this we don't understand at all, but we know he's alive. Amen? And he's in heaven in a glorified body, and he indwells you. If you live life with a revelation that the indwelling Christ lives in you, your whole life would be changed. Your Christian experience would be changed. If you walked with a revelation that the indwelling Christ lived in you, your whole life would be changed. And so there was a movement years ago, what would Jesus do? People wore bracelets. It's not, listen, guys, it's not about copying Jesus. That's not a bad thing to ask. It's not what would Jesus do and you try to decide. What's better is, Letting the indwelling Christ live through you. That's better. And so he's alive. This idea of here and not yet, it's a paradox. It'll help you understand the kingdom of heaven. Many times Jesus said the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Many, many, many times. He talks much more about the kingdom of heaven than he does even church. And so this here and not yet concept, I've been studying this for a while. There's a guy by the name of George Ladd. He developed this here and not yet concept of the kingdom back in the 50s. And so what it means is Jesus, he proclaimed that the kingdom is here. And the church models the kingdom. We're the ecclesia. We're the body of Christ. And so we, we all comprise the indwelling Christ. He lives through us. We model heaven on earth, the church. We're his body. We're like a colony of the kingdom, a colony of heaven on earth. But the kingdom is now, Jesus said, the kingdom is at hand. John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They preach the kingdom is here. It's in your midst. And so there's an element of the kingdom that's now and there's an element of the kingdom that's not yet. Now and not yet. It really helps you to understand the scriptures and understand the kingdom when you realize that there's elements that are now, but it's not going to come in its fullness until 
the age to come. And so right now, we, there's inbreaking of God's kingdom. When we see people healed, when we see the power of God, there's an inbreaking of the kingdom of heaven. We see that at times. And wherever, wherever he rules and reigns in our midst, that's where the kingdom is. We are a colony of the kingdom. We're a colony of heaven. It's a dual reality. The kingdom is present, but at the same time, it's future. The kingdom is today, but it's tomorrow. The kingdom has come, but it's coming. He was, he is, and he is to come. It's a dual reality. The model prayer, the Our Father, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Have you thought about what that means when we say, God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? What would it look like if Jesus was the Lord of Jacksonville? What would our city look like? I'll, see, I'll give you an idea. You'd see peace and reconciliation between fallen humans. You'd see the end of racism, sexism, ageism, and crime. You'd see people forgiving one another. You'd see justice done for all. You'd see love, compassion, and mercy shown. You would see freedom from oppression and deliverance from bondage. You'd see the naked clothed. You'd see the poor fed. You would see the sick cared for and healed. You'd see deliverance from Satan's power. And all would have allegiance to Jesus. It would be on display. You would see the power of God overcoming the power of his enemy. You'd see that walked out. In reality, if Jesus was Lord of Jacksonville, that's what it would look like. Does it, does it help you to see that we just, we see the kingdom in a small part right now? We see it incompletely, but one day we'll see it in its completion in the age to come. Where, when Jesus did his miracles, they were signs of the future kingdom. When he brought healing, you know, if you just read through your New Testament, you know what you would see? The ministry of Jesus? Healing, healing, healing. It was like ringing a bell. And it would draw people in, and he did these miracles. That was a sign of the future kingdom. And when he taught, he taught as one who had authority. He brought revelation and understanding. He was teaching them about the kingdom of God, what it's going to be like. They didn't expect to see Jesus as he was, a, a servant. They expected to see a political ruler. They didn't even recognize him. They were looking for someone who was going to come and rule in power, but Jesus came as a servant to, to model the kingdom. The Beatitudes, it's the opposite. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It was the opposite of what the worldly system, a world system would look to for a leader. But it was the kingdom. It was the message of the kingdom. And so when we think of Jesus... I was reading in Colossians, it talks about the preeminence of Christ. He's the expressed image of God. He's the creator. The scripture says his voice is like the sound of many waters. When you think of Jesus, do you think of the creator of the universe? Do you think of the Lord of the world? Do you think of the all-sufficient, all-powerful king 
When you have a revelation of Jesus, of who he is, his voice is like the sound of many waters. His eyes were like a flame, like a, like a, were red like fire. His hair was like white wool. On his thigh was written, King of kings and Lord of lords. When you see Jesus high and lifted up in his glory, can you behold him in his glory at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us? It, it, you, you, we have to see a Jesus that we can worship. We have to have a revelation of the real Jesus. If in your mind it's just a storybook of, of the gospels of a man who lived, you, no wonder you don't want to come to church sometimes. No wonder you don't, you're not excited about following him. Man, Jesus is the king. You have to have a revelation. How do we get that revelation? I'm going to show you a couple of things tonight, but you know what you can do? Father, give me a revelation of Jesus. I want to know him. I want to see him in his glory. I want to behold him in his glory. I want to see him high and lifted up. I need a revelation. Why? Because the natural man can't receive the things of God because they are spiritually discerned. You can't understand and, and behold Jesus in, the, in your frontal lobe of your mind. He, 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 he reveals himself to your spirit. And when you see him in your spirit, when you see he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And when your spirit, when you connect with Jesus and you have a revelation of Jesus, you can't help but worship. When you understand that you're forgiven, when you understand what his blood has done for you. you. Some of you don't even understand the blood of Jesus. You need to understand his blood. What did that cross mean? What did it all mean? What did the resurrection mean? Why is it significant for you? Is it just to save you from hell? Or is it much bigger picture? And when you understand Jesus like that, it helps you develop more of a love for him and a more of appreciation for him. When you understand that not only does he sit at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us, he's our advocate with the Father. He's a mediator of the new covenant. He makes intercession for us. The scripture says he saves us to the uttermost. We have have an accuser of the brethren, revelation, but we have an advocate with the Father that if any man sins, his blood cleanses from all sin. And so when you see this Jesus and then you realize he indwells his body, his ecclesia on the earth, how does Jesus represent himself right now? Through this church. He's the head of the church. We're his body. He lives in us and through us. That's how Jesus is moving on the earth. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he's moving on the earth through his people. So how is the kingdom going to come? How is Jackson going to look like what I read? How is Jacksonville going to look like what I read? Through his people. Through people following him, obeying him, listening to him, following the indwelling Christ that lives in each of us. And so Jesus as the high priest, if you have your Bibles, look in Hebrews chapter 8. In verse 1, it says, now this is the main point. Come on, everybody say main point. 
this is the main point of such of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty, of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. So where's Jesus now? The Bible says, the, the Hebrew says, the main point is this. He's, he's a high priest. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty. That's where he is. Okay. L- flip over to uh, chapter 9. And do we understand, if we're going to understand the high priest, the Jesus function, his role as, as our great high priest, we have to understand the high priest. And pastor's been teaching on this some. But once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would enter the most holy place, right? In the temple of God, and he would offer the blood of innocent animals. Leviticus says the life is in the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sins. There had to be, uh, the life is in the blood. Blood had to be shed to cover sins. And so the blood of the animals would cover the people's sins for a whole year. But then they would sin again, and they would, their, their sins would have to be covered. And so when they, when they sinned, they would carry guilt and condemnation and shame until the priest went in and made an offering for, to cover up their sins again. So can you see how every year their sins were just covered up? They were just covered it was, it was not a great system for them, but why? Because they carried the guilt and the condemnation and the shame of their sin. And so the, this animal sacrifice, it was just a shadow of things to come. And so the high priest would make a sacrifice for himself, and then he would go into the most holy place, and he would sp- sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat, which was understood to be God's throne. It couldn't remove the root of the sin. It couldn't cleanse the consciousness of the sin of the people. And so they struggled with guilt and condemnation. So can you see how it's pointing to Jesus? And his blood, someone said the the bloodline comes from the father. Who was Jesus' father? His blood was not tainted. It was perfect. That's why it can cleanse us from all sin. And so when he's the great high priest and he goes into the throne, into the mercy seat, and he sprinkles his blood on the mercy seat of heaven, it cleanses us from all sin. And so now the scripture says in Hebrews, we can go boldly to the throne of grace to find help and obtain mercy in a time of need. No more guilt, no more condemnation, It's clean. We're clean. And the scripture says, we'll read it in a moment, but it says once and for all. Once and for all. Listen, he's not going to die again. He only died once for our sins. And so that's called justification. And so what's the big deal about the blood of Jesus? It cleanses us when we receive that sacrifice by faith. It cleanses us from all sin. No more guilt, no more condemnation. That's good news. That's good. When we fall short, when we sin, the blood cleanses us. There's so much power in understanding what this blood has done for us, and it makes us want to worship him more. It makes us want to see him as that high priest 
of heaven. And so in Hebrews 9, verse 13, it says this, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, through through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God, And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant. So it says the blood cleanses our conscience. Conscience with knowledge. He cleanses our our condemnation, our knowledge of sin. And so look in chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 1 says, For the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. And so every year, they came and made a sacrifice, but it wasn't good enough. It didn't make those perfect who they were offering for. It says, verse 2, for, for then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. They knew that they they sinned. There was a reminder. They knew they needed a sacrifice. When's that going to come again? When can my sins be cleansed again? I have to wait. I have to carry this guilt. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Look in verse 11, and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Keep going. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Wow. It's not just covered up. It says they couldn't take them away. They had to cover them up. And so now it says I'm gonna, God's going to do a work through his son, and he, he's not just going to cover your sins. He's not even going to remember them. They're taken away. That's the blood of Jesus. It cleanses from sin. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Look in verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the what? By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil. That is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled 
from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Water baptism. And so his blood cleanses us from all sin. And now we can go boldly to the throne of grace. There's no more guilt. There's no more condemnation. Now, when we fall short, when we make a a wrong choice, do we still need to repent? Yes. We need to keep short accounts with God. We need to confess our sins. But here's the deal. We are cleansed from all sin. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, making intercept, praying for us. He sprinkled the mercy seat. He's, the, he's our advocate. And so he goes to the Father for us. This is the one that we worship. This is why we love him. This is who he is. Certainly, he's the, he's the great shepherd. He takes care of us when we're hurting. But he's so much more than that. He's the king. He's the high priest. If you can get a vision, if I can get a vision of a great high priest who is worthy of our worship. I love this place in the Bible. When Peter and and these, these apostles, they did a miracle, people fell out of their feet and they tried to worship him. They said, no, don't worship us. We're just men. But when some ladies fell down at Jesus' feet, what did he do? Nothing. Why? Because he's Jesus. And he stood there and he received their worship. Because he's worthy of our worship. I'm telling you guys, there is a glory. There is a splendor of Jesus. We are just, we have to behold it in our spirit. If we get a glimpse of Jesus, high and lifted up, if we could see the king, if we could be like in Isaiah 6, if we could see that king, if we could be like, what is it, King Uzzah? If we could see him, who who is it? Uzziah. If we could see him and his glory filling the temple, the train of his glory filling the temple, we would say what he said. We'd say, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm undone. We would see him and we would be changed. If we could have that, uh, just a glimpse of his glory, if, if our heart would be to know him, can you see how sometimes we put religion ahead of Jesus? And sometimes I feel like he's looking in the window. And, and, and we have so many meetings and we go through our life and we say, we just need to pray and read our Bible and pray and read our Bible and come to church and pray and read our Bible. And yes, we need to do those things. But we need to have a vision of Jesus. We need to have a, a, we need to have a love for him. He's the reason that we do all this. It's all about him. This whole thing, all we are are his followers. Paul said that I may know him, but he knew him. He met him on the road to Damascus, but he said, I want to know him. I want to hear his voice. I want to walk with him. I want to know him. I want to behold him in my spirit. I want to know who he is. I want to have this this close walk with him, and I want to see him, who he really is. Man, if we could just have a fraction, if we could just see a fraction of who he really is, I think our life would be changed. And so the high priest, 
what is the blood of Christ? What does it do? It remits our sins. It gives life to those who consume it. Jesus said, John 6. It causes us to dwell in Christ and him in us. It's a means by which Jesus purchased the church. He bought the church with his blood. It's a means by which he he atoned for our sins. It justifies us, saves us from the wrath of God, Romans 5. It redeems us. It brings those who are far away from God near to him, his blood. It grants us the forgiveness of sins. It brings peace and reconciliation with God. It has obtained eternal redemption. It cleanses our consciousness from dead works to serve the living God. It's the means by which we enter the most holy place with boldness. It speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. It sanctifies us. It makes us complete for every good work. It cleanses us from all sin. It bears witness in the earth along with the spirit and the water. It means, it's the means by which Jesus washes us. His blood was the only thing that could cleanse. He was the only solution. He was the only answer was his blood. It is the means by which Jesus washes us. It's the means by which we overcome the accuser of the brethren. We have an accuser, Revelation says. And he wants to come and tell you you don't measure up. And you know what he likes to tell Christians? You don't do enough. You'll never do enough. And if you live a life that's always saying, I don't do enough, I don't do enough, I don't do enough, man, you're going to lose all your joy. And that's what he would love. He'd love to just come and accuse you and say, you don't do enough, you don't measure up, you're not a good person, you're not a good Christian. You're not a... So what's the answer to all that? The blood. Yes. Yes, you're right. Satan, I don't do enough. I'm not, sometimes I drop the ball, sometimes I make mistakes, but you know what? The blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin. Once and for all, he's not going to die again. It's done. It's complete. It's finished. That is something we need to remember. We need to understand there's a weapon in understanding the blood of Jesus. There's a weapon against your enemy. The blood cleanses me from all sin. I'm bought with his blood. I'm telling you, man, demons have to flee. Because of the blood of Jesus, it's cleanses. It's, we've been made perfect by his blood. That's what the blood does. It cleanses our consciousness from sin. If you think, if you can sit back and think of all your sins, you can think the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from every one of them. And you can go boldly to the throne of God. The enemy would love to say this, you can't go to God in prayer. You're not good enough. I've learned when you have those thoughts, that's just when you need to go to God. That's just when you need to go boldly before the throne because the blood has cleansed you. You have access. In your own works, you could never go. But you can go because of his blood. He's he's our advocate. He stands alongside us as our advocate. This one that we worship, he's standing before the throne, the advocate like a lawyer, like an attorney, removing the barriers of our fellowship with the Father. He defends our case against the accuser. 
the devil. He's our intercessor. I love Hebrews. He's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. He always makes intercession for them, it says. He's praying for you. You know that's what that means, right? He's at the right hand of the Father praying for you. Wow, he's the one that we worship. He sits at the right hand of the Father in the scriptures. He stands in heaven in the scriptures. He walks through the churches in the scriptures. That's the present day ministry of Jesus. He lives through you. The indwelling Christ lives in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. You're his body. You're his bride. He's coming back for his bride. So do we understand what the blood does, what the high priest function is? Does it help you to understand Jesus when you come into the arena and you begin to worship? Can you see Jesus in your mind's eye, in your spirit? Can you behold his glory as your high priest? They had priestly garb. They had their name on their shoulder. They had, it represents the tribes of Israel. He has your name. He's there before the Father. He's the great high priest in all of his glory. He sprinkled the mercy seat with his own blood. He's praying for us. We have, we're not separated from God anymore. It's once and for all. We're justified by faith. We believe that. We commit to follow that. We receive that sacrifice for our sins, and it's done. He sits down at the right hand of the Father. That's the high priest function of Jesus. Now, where do we go from there? Certainly, if we fall short, we need to repent. We need to confess our sins. And he's faithful and just to cleanse us and forgive us. But where he, the book of Hebrews is about spiritual maturity, isn't it? It has a lot of, it has six warnings in there. And it talks about spiritual maturity, pleasing the Lord. So, so sometimes I feel like Christians, we get this idea, the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin. I'll see you in heaven. It's just we're saved by faith. We're saved grace through faith, and we're good. We got fire insurance. We'll see you in heaven. So what does that have to do with, so if the blood of Jesus has cleanses me from all my past, present, and future sins, I'll just see you in heaven. Something's wrong with that, isn't there? Let me show you. We don't serve God to get his favor and acceptance. We serve from the basis of having his favor and acceptance. How about this? We're his imagers. We represent him on the earth. We reflect, we are Jesus' body on the earth. We have to reflect, we reflect him. We're his church, we're, we're his ecclesia. So how about this? I have two kids, I love my kids. There's, I love them unconditionally. I accept them for who they are. They may make poor choices, poor choices, but I still love them. They're my kids, but they can make choices that please and don't please me. I love them, they're my kids, but they can make poor choices. 
we can make poor choices as believers. The blood cleanses us from our sin. So what does that mean? That means because we're forgiven and we have a love for God and a love for Jesus, we begin to want to follow him and obey him and love him. And that starts to be a reflection in our lives. And so now we're living out what we believe. And the scripture says in Ephesians, find out what pleases the Lord. And I feel like one of the things that God has been doing in Celebration Church is calling his people to be distinct. Because we are distinct. Okay? Calling his people to be his imagers. Because we live in a dark world. People are looking for the light. The scripture says, you are the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. That has to do with your choices. That has to do with your behavior. Because this needs to be preached. My actions, my words can please and displease the Lord. So we like to just make that legalism. We know that that doesn't work. We know where that road goes because you can't make God love you any more or any less by what you do or don't do. That's not the issue. We don't want to go down the legalistic path. But at the same time, how we live and the choices that we make can please the Lord. That's spiritual maturity. This is where we are going from, this is how we are going from faith to faith. This is how we're becoming sanctified. It's where the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, but now we begin to walk it out. He chastens those whom he loves. Trials purify us in life. Now we're developing endurance. Now we're developing maturity. Now we're making choices not to see how close to the line we can walk, but choices because we love him. And you, the scripture says, find out what pleases the Lord. His imager, reflecting his glory. Man, that's a, and the indwelling Christ lives through us? That's life-changing stuff. If we meditated on the indwelling Christ living through us through the power of the Holy Spirit and that we are to reflect his glory and our choices and words can please or displease the Father, not out of do's and don'ts and laws, but but out of a relationship of love, man, that's life-changing. If we could walk in that. So let me take you back to now and not yet. The kingdom of heaven, it's now, but it's not yet in fullness. The band can come on up. We're going to close. The kingdom of heaven is now. Jesus preached the kingdom of heaven all those years ago. He said, the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. The kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven. You read, go through, do a search. Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. It's all you, you hear. And there was inbreaking with miracles and we see a glimpse of what the kingdom in its fullness is going to look like in the millennium, in the age to come. We see glimpses of it. Man, it's going to be awesome, isn't it? We see glimpses, but you know, we demonstrate 
We demonstrate the kingdom of heaven right now. The church does. We're his body. We demonstrate the, his kingdom on the earth now. That's what that means. When we, we show the world his kingdom, we're a colony of heaven. And so it's now and not yet, okay? So what about our sanctification? What does that mean? That means what about our walk with God, okay? It's now and not yet. What does that mean? The scripture says, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So that's, that's the reality of now, but it's not yet in its fullness. The scripture says, you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. But it also says, walk out your salvation in fear and trembling. Can you see how it's now and not yet? You are the light in the Lord. You are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. It's now and it's not yet. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we fall short, if we make mistakes, which we all do, we can confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us. It's done. No more guilt, no more condemnation. If the enemy whispers sins to your ears from your childhood, from your 20s, from your past, you, when you have those thoughts, you have a picture of your mind doing something immoral, making wrong choices, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. He cleanses us. We have an advocate with the Father. He's the accuser of the brethren. Those thoughts are not from God. You can take those thoughts captive. They're, the blood cleanses those. Those are as far as the east is from the west. The scripture says, I will remember your sins no more. That's a promise. I will remember your sins no more. But it doesn't stop there. Now, you have to, scripture says Ephesians, find out what pleases the Lord. How can my life bring him glory? How can I please him? In my home, my decisions, my choices, I want to please him. Not because I'm trying to earn, because he's my father. And I, I, I love this king. I love Jesus. I want to find out what I want my, I want to image him. I want my choices to reflect what I believe in my life. It's not just a mental ascent, but it's a, it's a life of surrender. It's a choice. We give everything to Jesus. Then it makes sense. If it's just a mental ascent, I believe his blood cleanses. Amen. I'll see you in heaven. That's not even Christianity. That's what we make it. Christianity is following him, knowing him, seeking him, worshiping him. It's all about Jesus. Christianity is following Jesus, knowing him, pressing into him, worshiping him, making our lives more and more about him. That's Christianity. Choosing him is real Christianity. Come on, let's stand together. Here's what I want to pray. If we're not going to have an altar call. I just want to pray for you right in your seats. And we're, that, Marie, can we go back into that, that uh, King song? was awesome. We're going to go back into that song, but I want to pray for a couple of things. I want to pray for you. If you'd say, Pastor Chris, that's me. I just feel like 
the enemy, he taunts me with the sins of my past. Things I did as a child, things I did when I was in my 20s or whenever, last night, things that you've done. And, and he, his voice brings condemnation and, and guilt into your heart and your life and it torments you. If that's you, lift your hand up. I wanna pray right now. This is gonna be broken right now. If that's you, come all over this place. All over this place. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. God, right now, when those thoughts come, God, we thank you that the Spirit of the Lord is gonna raise up a standard. The Spirit of the Lord is gonna to bring to our remembrance that the blood of Jesus cleanses us. Your word says that I will remember your sins no more. As far as the east is from the west, so you have removed our sins from us. God, we thank you that we are clean, white as snow, washed by the blood of Jesus. There's no shame, there's no condemnation. We can lift our heads up high. God, we are clean before the Father because of the blood of Jesus. God, we thank you that we have an advocate. Jesus, you, you go before us. You go to the Father on our behalf. You're the mediator of the new covenant, God. You're making intercession, praying for us, God. We receive that. In the mighty name of Jesus, condemnation and guilt is broken. In the name of Jesus, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And right now, if you'd say, Pastor Chris, I, I want my life to please Him. I want to go to another level. We all make mistakes. We all fall short. But this, what God is doing in Celebration Church, this idea of imaging God, when we take communion in our home, when we pray in our home, you know, the Scripture says that we are demonstrating to the principalities and powers that Jesus is Lord and that they are on the clock. That's what it says. Ephesians, when we make these choices, when the principalities and powers of the earth, when they see our demonstration, it shows them that they're on the clock. It shows them that we are loyal, that we are allegiant to Jesus. Doesn't that motivate you a little bit more? I wanna show them who I'm loyal to because they're watching. They see our deeds and they see our allegiance. And don't you want to show them who you're loyal to? I want to be loyal to Him. And let's just pray as a church this Wednesday night. Let's pray. Listen, do you know that you only love Him? You only have a desire to know Him. You can only see Him because He works in and through you. He even gives you that desire. He's the one that does it. It's not an act of strong-arming your will. That doesn't work. But what does work is to humble yourself and to seek and to pray and to ask and let, when you're weak, He makes you strong. And so if you say, I don't even have that desire, man, let's repent, let's humble ourselves, and let's ask for it. Come on, let's pray together. Father, right now we just pray. God, we want to do the things that please you. We ask that you forgive all of our sins. We ask that you would help us to make choices that bring you glory. Help our words to bring you glory. Help us to demonstrate 
that we are your imagers. Help us to show the principalities and powers of this world that, that we are loyal to you, Jesus, and we're not going to compromise. God, we want to please you with all of our life. We want our life, we want to be living sacrifices unto you, Jesus. Jesus, I pray you would reveal yourself to us, even at night, God, even in the morning, even at work. Show us who you are, Jesus. Give us a revelation of your Son, God. Let us see Jesus high and lifted up. Let us just have a glimpse of his glory, God. God, that's our heart's cry. We want to know and we want to see him, God. We ask you for that. Give us the grace. Give us the desires. God, change our hearts. Work in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.